the podcast where we read books and talk about them. Yes, I'm Katie Willie. And I'm Sarah Westcott. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm on vacation. So, you are for yeah. like ever. I've been on vacation uh, since a couple of days before Christmas or whatever, like, you know, the 17th or whatever it was. And it's been amazing. Like The 17th? That's not a couple of days. It's a week. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the last Friday before Christmas, I was on vacation. So, yeah, yeah. it's been a while. It's yeah. been a while. And I love it. I <laughs> am like rolling out of bed at 9 a.m. every day and it's fucking beautiful. I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> And if that's not, that's so not like me, I'm usually an early riser, early, like, you know, whatever. Every day for work, I get up, you know, before 6.30. Um, and even on the weekends, I'm usually out of bed by like 7, 7.30 because I'm, I'm going for a long run or I've got some shit to do. Because I don't have any time constraints, it's like, all right, so I wake up at 8 and I lay in bed and just play on my phone until 9 o'clock. I love it. It's wonderful. And Monday is going to be a rude, rude wake up. <laughs> yes. Welcome it's back to the real world. Anyway, how was your Christmas, Katie? Um, it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh my grandma passed the day after. I know. And that is really it's hard. The it day like, after Christmas? Yeah. That's not good. No. I uh I sent my brother a text on Christmas that said I'm pretty sure my grandma is just gonna make it through Christmas Aww. and then she's gonna let go. And yeah. sure enough, he called me the following morning. It had it had happened and unfortunately yeah. I called that one, but she was she's awesome. Yeah. Really, really awesome. Yeah. And a uh, really tough woman. She was 98 and still living at home. Damn. So I can hope to be so lucky. Yeah. 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 Adam's reaction when I told him, he said, oh, she was so close. He was really gunning for 100. Oh, 100. Oh, my God. He really wanted it. Yeah. yeah. She missed it, but she still lived a very long yeah. life. And yeah. she, I don't know the correct term, but begat someone like you. And, you know, she begat your parents <laughs> or parents. My mom. Yeah. Your mom yeah. who begat you. And you're yeah. amazing. And I love you. Yep. So I'm I'm really, really proud to have come from her. Yes. So. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry. But the, yeah, it, I mean, that that was just kind of a, a cloud over Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but overall, Christmas was good. My kids yeah. had a blast. Good. They have no, I mean, they knew, but they didn't like really know. And no. we did the whole jump from house to house to house and open presents as fast as possible, which yeah. someday I'll just be able to sit at home and everybody can come to me and yes. not have to rush around. But that's what I think I'm lucky in a way because, you know, we have a small family. I mean, it's just the only kids in my immediate family are my kids. So it's very much we go to my parents for Christmas Eve and then John's parents come here on Christmas Day and they're typically gone by like noon or one o'clock. So and it's then you're just bye. here by yourself. Then we're here by ourselves. <gasps> Aiden put together an entire Aiden got two sets of Legos this year. He put together because Legos are your favorite. I hate Legos. Hate them. Wait, sorry. Lego because the plural does not have the S. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. I still call them Lego Legos. Master. I'm sorry. I'm still going to call yeah. them Legos. I just yeah, can't help it. Especially if you step on them. <laughs> yes. Sorry. They suck to step on. They're terrible. But uh, yeah, he did the whole, he did the Razor Crest from the Mandalorian. I don't know if you're like a Star Wars person Not or whatever. Not in the least. But <laughs> but that's what he did. Um, and he did that all day on on Christmas Day. I I think I, I sat and like read for a lot of Christmas Day, which is great. So I, I, lo- I love Christmas. What did you read? What did I read? Um, I think I... I think I finished a book. Is that the house in the Cerulean Sea? I did. Sea? I did finish the, okay. the house in the Cerulean Sea that day, I think, on Christmas Day. And then I started a new one um, called The Favorite Daughter. So it's, a, you know, it's a psychological thriller, the kind of thing that we love. I, I'm liking it. I'm not loving it. The The narrator is the mom of these two daughters, one adopted, one biological. 
and she is fucking psychopathic, but I don't I have to imagine that there's going to be a twist somewhere. Is you that, haven't finished it yet. I haven't finished it yet. I'm a, I'm a little more than halfway through. It's interesting. I like it. I, I'm hoping that there's some kind of twist because if it's just that this mom is a psychopath and, you know, whatever. And you just know it the whole I've time. I've already known that. So, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see what the twist is. In a psychological thriller, there's always a crazy twist. So I'm hoping that that comes into play and, and we'll Is there, like, see. Munchausen syndrome going on or not? So one of the, the adoptive daughter, the story is that the adoptive daughter has died about a year ago. Like, by accident she she fell from a cliff into the ocean they live on the um the coast of california and so she fell hiking into the water her body washed up three days later the biological daughter um was the last person to see her alive so there's a lot of thought that maybe the biological daughter had something to do with it yeah yeah so the whole story right now is the mom who is a bit of a psycho trying to figure out whether or not her daughter was the her other daughter was the one who killed her and i'm kind of thinking maybe you had something to do with it just the way that this is narrated but yeah so that's what i'm reading right now and once i finish that then i gotta read the next book for our next episode (laughs) we'll talk about that later (laughs) anyway anything else to to just kind of Vacation's going good. Vacation is good. I did have to go into the office a couple of times just to, like, help clean up some stuff. But other than that, it's been great. I've been running when I want to. Uh, We're going skiing on Friday before, like, New Year's festivities start happening uh, in the evening. And that's pretty much it. Nice. Yeah. This is my first day off for the holiday. We worked Christmas Eve. And I worked uh, Monday after Christmas. Well, that sucks. (laughs) It did. But it was actually good to be there because I got stuff done on Friday that I needed to get done. Yeah, is what it is, I guess. It is. Yeah. And it was quiet. Real quiet. Oh, it always is. These, like, the two weeks at the end of the year are the quietest in any office. Clean up time period of all the sorts of stuff, you know, cleaning up your emails, doing all the stuff that goes to the bottom of your list of what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Right priority stuff and you get it get it done right exactly um so that's that so before we jump into our prologue section here we're just going to throw out our usual spoiler warning on the book that we read which was in the woods um by tana french and uh as you know this is not a review podcast this is a spoilery reactionary podcast tell you everything we think about it. yes so we're not going to keep things secret and this is one of those books that like um you know i mean there are twists involved and everything there's a mystery involved so yeah if you have not read the book we finally got to a mystery exactly yes <laughs> but if you haven't read the book stop here um bookmark this episode and come back and and once you've read it definitely read it yes it's such a good book. it's such a good book and it jumps off a fantastic series that we'll talk about um as well um that being said uh, let's get started so the um, so Katie, the book that we read for this episode is In the Woods by Tana French. Yes. Published on January 30th, 2007 by Penguin Books. I do believe it was a New York Times bestseller, but I don't think that was an immediate thing. I think, you think it came out later. I think it, it yes, so yes. Maybe after subsequent books. After subsequent books, I think that this be- then became a New York Times bestseller. I was looking on Wikipedia before the episode and I could not find any information about Still when. Still not readily available, no. that information. Like, why the hell won't that information just be I, at my fingertips? It should just be tied to the Wikipedia of all the books, how many weeks it was on the bestseller, yes. and when it started, and when it came off. Ridiculous. So anyway, Katie's going to read our synopsis for this book just to uh, get some context. Which uh, is directly from the back of Sarah's version of the book, which came out once the Dublin Murders on Stars tie-in 
was on the front cover. Yeah. Mine was the original was released, one. And I, yeah. I kind of like her synopsis of this book better. So as dusk approaches a small Dublin suburb in the summer of 1984, mothers begin to call their children home. But on this warm evening, three children do not return from the dark, silent woods. When the police arrive... They find only one of the children gripping gripping a tree trunk in terror, wearing blood-filled sneakers and unable to recall a single detail of the previous hours. Twenty years later, the found boy, Rob Ryan, is a detective on the Dublin murder squad and keeps his past a secret. But when a 12-year-old girl is found murdered in the same woods, he and Detective Cassie Maddox, his partner and closest friend, find themselves investigating a case chillingly similar to the previous unsolved mystery. Now, with only snippets of long-buried memories to guide him, Ryan has the chance to uncover both the mystery of the case before him and that of his own shadowy past. Love it. Love it. It's a very good uh, mystery book. So the first thing that I absolutely have to say Mm -hmm. is the fact that I called her Casey in my head the entire time. Oh, she's Cassie. That's Cassie. Well, that's not how I read it. Yeah, I I just wrote that down. Cassie (laughs) equals Casey. Because as soon as you said Cassie earlier, I was like... Oh, shit. Read that wrong the whole time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So before we jump into the story portion of our podcast, uh, what are we drinking today, Katie? We are For drinking. Our cocktail. Is this a cocktail we teaser? We haven't had a sip yet. No. Cocktail teaser. Cocktail no, wait, teaser. Is it a teaser if we're just going to actually talk about the cocktail? I mean. I think the teaser comes at the end. Probably. Yeah. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. So we are drinking something called Meet Me in the Woods. It is a rye whiskey cocktail with a clove simple syrup. Yep. That we had to make because no liquor stores decide to carry the things that we need sometimes. No. And it is frothed with an egg white. It looks really pretty. It does. We have not had a sip yet. So cheers. Cheers, Katie. Let's Ooh, taste this blank. and see, uh, okay. see what it tastes like. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's strong because it's whiskey. I mean, yeah. whiskey has just such this this strong flavor in general. And I'm not really a whiskey drinker. But anytime I do drink whiskey, it has to be mixed with something. So I like this. Pretty tasty. A lot. It's pretty tasty. Yeah. I don't even know if I can taste the clove. Like we could smell the clove for sure. You can still smell it even in the drink, but lime juice in good. there too. And that comes through. Yeah. That definitely does come through. It's good. I, I like, like it. it. I like it. Cheers. So if you've also decided to make our, our cocktail and drink along with us, um, I hope you're enjoying it. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. And the recipe will be most assuredly posted. So hopefully yes. you saw it and made it and pause. Hopefully. And come back and. <laughs> <laughs> Pause here and then come back after you've made the drink. And enjoy. Cheers. The story. Um, and we're back. And we're back. All right. Um, so now we're gonna go into our story session. So first first of all, in my like quickly brief like Wikipedia Wikipedia-ing today. Is that like is that like a Googling? Googling? Yeah, yeah maybe works. so Wikipedia-ing today. I didn't realize so this book is by Tana French, which um, I don't know if you've ever seen her, Katie. Like, if you've ever seen a picture of her, she looks like English or Irish, rather. I'm sorry. This is an Irish. This takes place in Ireland. Um, she looks Irish. She was born in fucking Burlington, Vermont. Okay. And she lives like she like she's based in Dublin now. She moved out to Dublin, whatever. But like all of her books that I've ever read, I think all of them take place in Ireland. I don't think any books take place anywhere else. Her battery is running low. All right, so uh, we are now plugged back in with our laptop. Speaking of, I have a funny story, not to detract from the books written by a Vermonter (laughs) in Ireland. Uh, So the laptop's plugged in, and I had to make sure that the cord is going not in front of my legs. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was a freshman in college 743 years ago, um, my roommate had a laptop, and I did not let me use her laptop, but only if it was plugged in on her side of the room. 
Okay. Because it was her laptop, which obviously leads to a cord dangling across the room. And I got up to go to the bathroom at one point in time while using her laptop and tripped over the cord. Laptop landed on the ground, shattered the freaking laptop. Oh, no. Did you have to pay for it? Laptops in 1999 were like- They were so expensive. $17,000. They were so expensive. Uh, my parents' uh, homeowner's insurance had to cover that replacement one. But Shut needless up. to say, you're within your first month of being- at college and living with a roommate, not a good setup for, oh, for making friends yeah, when no. you break their laptop. Well, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you. This kind of like this kind of brings into the theme of the book, too, because if she had to have that plugged in on her side of the room, that's kind of psychopathic in a way. A little bit. <laughs> so, but yeah. I will say we had the identical Sesame Street baby blanket that we both brought to college, which was effing weird. Yeah, that's very weird. That we had them and that we brought them. Um, and that our same song, same favorite song at the time was Meet Virginia. Oh, I like that song. It's also kind of weird that you said effing instead of fucking, Katie. Like, I mean, we're adults. I mean, kids are here. I, we're all they're adults They're not here. in the closet with us, but they're here. So I think I censored myself because they're... I've already sworn in front of them. <laughs> and they said, so I apologize. I. <laughs> so have I. That's just the problem. That's just that's just me. I'm, I'm a swear. I'm a fucking mouth of a sailor. I don't know. Anyway, um, so... Uh, Okay, we're in our story our story section, yes. and I guess now it's time to just jump right into this book. And Katie, I know we have we both previously read this book years ago. Like I can't even tell you how long ago it was. So I, it's 2007, so it's at least six, seven, eight years ago. Right. So I'm going to tell you. I I think I know or remember kind of when we read this book, because um, both of us kind of read it at similar times. Mm-hmm. I want to say I got this book and I told you about it. And either you had already read it or you were like, I'm going to put this on my list. I think it was probably already on my list and your yeah. suggestion bumped it up right. and I actually read it exactly. because you said that. So I got this book. I used to subscribe to this thing. I don't even know if it still exists. I haven't looked it up recently because, you know, I mean, the library exists. I just buy books, whatever. It's, it doesn't matter. But it Yay, used to be- old and having a paycheck. Yes. Yes, exactly. Adulting. It's great. <laughs> um, sometimes. Not all times. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so- I used to subscribe to this thing called booksfree.com and it was basically a Netflix for books. So you would go on. Do you, you remember having, having, having this? this? Yes. yes. So it would, I would go on to the website. I would sign into my account and I'd have a list of books and add it to the queue of what I wanted. And they would send me two. I think it, I think you could do two, three or four books at a time. And I think that I did two books at a time just because that was plenty for me, you know? It's probably a different rate, too. Um, yes, I think it was. I think it was. At some point, I want to say that I bumped it up a little bit. But so what happened was, is just like Netflix, you would put it in a queue. No, wait a and second. To you. By Netflix, you mean old school Netflix. Old school Netflix. Where you used to get DVDs in the mail. Yes. Not the one where you can just go to your Correct. screen and pick whatever the hell you Correct. want. Correct. Yes. Netflix for the for the youngins has changed a little bit. <laughs> Netflix first came out as a CD thing or a disc thing, and they would send you your disc in the mail. You'd watch it, and then you'd have to send it right back. Um, this is the exact same thing with booksfree.com. They sent you the books. They sent you two books at a time. Or if you subscribe to more, the four books at a time, you would have to send them back when you were done and they would send you the package. So you could send, I think it was that you could send two books back at a time. So if you finish the first two, you can send them off in the package and then get your next books and then send the other ones or whatever. It was, I loved it. I loved having, being a part of that. I think I, I think I subscribed to that for years. I wonder if they still do it. 
I think I looked it up not long ago and they do, but I don't think it's the same kind of like thing that they used to do. It, it probably has changed. It's probably had a lot of iter- iterations since then because I want to say I stopped subscribing to that probably at least 10 years ago. Um, and I want to say that this book in the was woods- was one of them. I know it was one of them. I want to say it was one of the first ones I ever got. So did you actually specifically pick the books or did they yes. pick them for you? No, it's a queue. So okay. you go on just like um, just like the library queue, like okay. and you put it on a wish list or whatever. Just like Netflix, like yes. you've said at exactly. least three times since we started this conversation. Exactly, yes. <laughs> okay. Like I think I had a list. I want to say I had a list of probably like 50 books at a time. And if one book wasn't available, it would you just jump down, down to the next yep book like oh, it so would do it, automatically. it would do it automatically okay. so they would send you whatever two books were the next available um depending on what your list was so uh i loved being a part of that i thought it was great it was an awesome system to not have to like I, my husband loved the fact that i wasn't buying books constantly i was just pay, paying like a monthly i think it was like 9.99 right. fee or something um and it was great i loved it but that i, I want to say that this is one of the first books that i ever got from there and I remember texting you and being like, have you read this book yet? I love this, blah, blah, blah. And then not long after, because at that time, the other, the second book was already out, um, I got the second one and we d- discussed that as well. Second one is The Likeness? Yes. And it's Cassie's? Cassie's book, yes. I had to hard pause there for a second. Right. So Tana French has a series of books that we'll just dub the Dublin Murder Squad books. Uh- because we'll dub it yeah we've discussed this before i I believe but each book is about each subsequent book is about a a character that was in the previous novel it might have been a periphery character exactly right that's not the main character exactly and and i want to say in one or two occasions it was even just like a periphery character where it was like mentioned one time yep here's the person and then the next book is going to be like is about them yeah which i love i do too all i was i was talking at work to um, a coworker today nope not today definitely yesterday about this book and uh the fact that we were doing it for the podcast and that the series is cohesive, but it's not, you don't have to read them in order. Yes, right. They are all standalone novels. You can pick up any single one of them and read it and not feel like, what the hell did I miss? And right. there's also, if you are reading all of them, there's not that summary at the beginning of the chapter, like uh, Stephanie Plum series or Babysitter's right. Club, where you you know that whole there's like that one chapter at the beginning where they go through and they kind of reiterate all the characters what happened. and this yeah. is who I am, this is what I do, and these yeah. are the people that are in my lives. Yeah, just exactly. Because exactly. you're reading a series. So I think I want to say that the the only real cohesive books in the Dublin Murder Squad series are probably In the Woods and The Likeness because The Likeness Cassie's is about Cassie, much, yeah. who is a main character in yeah. In the Woods. She's not the main character, but she is a main character, and. She's one of my favorite characters. I love her. I absolutely I really adore do. her. Um, I, like I, I just I feel like you know she's she's young. She's like up and coming in the in the murder squad and stuff. And uh, I, Rob did her kind of dirty. Like Rob did her Seriously. real dirty. He um, did, and there was really no reason for it other than he was like wallowing in self, not self pity so much as self unsuredness. Right. Right. After his time in the woods, and he had this memory, and all of a sudden he's like, "Come pick me up." Yes. And she drops everything and comes and picks him up. And then... Legit, like, if we're being honest, I think Rob Ryan is kind of a little bitch. Like, he's a little bitch. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I He's very he's very whiny and he's very much uh, everything's about me. Uh, Cassie's in love with me. Like, this kind of stuff. Like, he, it, And as soon as, as soon as Cassie's like, yeah, I, I'm interested in you, he's like, shut down. We're done. This is it. 
But I don't even think she said that at any point no, in time. It, it just, was literally like, yeah, you're in my bed. Okay, sure. Yes. You're, we're going to snuggle. Or, and then, oh, you want to roll over and kiss me? All right. I mean, yes. you're a body and you're yes. in my bed. And we're going to have gonna sex. going to kiss me? Sure. Okay, let's go for it. I mean, being, on, being honest, like me and Katie being who we are, of course, when we first start reading this book and we see, okay, this is Rob Ryan. He's hot guy, uh, detective in a murder squad. And like, then there's a young, uh, young girl cop who comes in. Katie and I are immediately like, okay, they're... They're going to bow. I hope they have sex. <laughs> I want them to hook up because I love their relationship, whatever. But he treated her poorly. And I think he treated her poorly almost all the time. It's just you don't notice as the reader until time has passed and more of the story has come out. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's constantly at her house or her mm-hmm. apartment or loft or mm-hmm. whatever it is in constantly saying pick me up or you drive yes which is weird because she's got what, like a vespa bike yeah what, she's got a vespa like bike yeah so when they get in the you know i don't know if it's a crown vic like the americans use but you know that kind of thing for police over there um yeah she's the one who's got to drive she's got to take them there she's got to cook at her house like it's always it's almost like because of who he is he never grew out of his childhood he also gets the best of both worlds with that, though, because he's got this woman that's taking care of him and feeding him and has a great relationship with mm-hmm. without actually having to put in the effort of having a great relationship because exactly. she's his partner at work. Right. So they have the relationship because they have to have the relationship it's built in. and it works, yeah. but there's no hard effort. Right. Right. I I 100 percent agree with that. And um, I think the only person putting in any effort in that relationship is Cassie in general. Yes. Um, Rob is just kind of, this is who I am and like it or don't, basically. Sorry, I'm broken. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, listen, he has, if if we're, we're going into the story, like, of course he has a, a reason to be broken. I mean, this kid lost his two best friends. He was the only survivor in an attack that we have no idea what occurred. What happened? I hate, I hate non-closure. non-closure. I do too. It, the the ambiguous the ambiguous ending always pisses me off. But that being said, I don't hate it in this book. No, because it's not. It's. I mean, it's it's not the main storyline, but it is the main storyline. But it's yes. also not the main murder that they're working right. to solve. Right. So if that one went unsolved too, I would be. We wouldn't be having this discussion because it never would have made it to the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I I remember like when I first read this book, being disappointed and upset that we never find out what happened to Rob or Adam when he was you know he's a kid in the woods with his friends. We never find out what happened to his friends. Their bodies are never found. Whether or not they just ran away. And and I think that's one of the things that really upsets me in the book. There's there's a whole um section where he worries and wonders if he was left behind because maybe they didn't like him as much he wasn't yes he he was was unwanted unwanted. he was the unwanted friend he was chubby so he couldn't run as fast as them he was afraid to jump over the the wall that led into the woods and a certain section of the woods and like that kind of broke my heart in a way it's just like this poor kid feels like he's missing out on being dead yes exactly exactly what is that like what kind of thought process must you go through to be like wow my friends moved on and i don't know whether or not they're dead or they're alive and that and i want to hope that if if jamie and um pat was it patrick am i wrong about that peter peter thank you peter sorry with the p i was close (laughs) (laughs) um i want to say that he in some ways he almost wonders if they ran away and just left him instead of something terrible happening but at the same time we also know this kid came back with, like, blood filling his shoes that wasn't his blood, 
so creepy. And all of his memories are gone. So all of his something memories are gone. happened. Something happened something in there. Something definitely happened. He had like cut marks on his back. Yeah. We just have no idea. And we're never given any kind of clarity as to what might have happened in the woods. Right. Yes. Like something with flap giant flapping wings or whatever yes. that when the the girl was being raped and that, that that's what they were thinking right Sandra. right right yes this is a book just filled with like broken Uncertainty. yes like, broken people like it filled with that kind of thing and I, I i love reading about that you know like it's it's interesting it's an interesting story but i had a question for you and i take a sip of my drink first sorry about that because it's tasty it's very tasty yes it's going down really well so Cassie is known in the murder squad as kind of being um, the profiler because she took she took classes in psychology, like that kind of thing. She was she was meant to go on and be like more of like a almost like I think what we would consider like our FBI agents. You know what I mean? Like that kind yeah. of profiling the behavioral sciences, like kind of thing. So she's that for the Dublin murder squad. And so often in this book. So often she talks about psychopaths and what makes a psychopath and how, um, you know, she had known psychopaths at certain regions. So my question for you, Katie, do you think Rob is a psychopath? Why would she why would this constantly be a thing that they go back to if Rob's narcissism, his like all of that stuff, his destructive tendencies isn't meant to isn't meant to flag him as a psychopath and how he treats her at the end when they finally come together they had you know like as katie and i like you know you know we we wanted them to have sex they have sex and then immediately after that he's like we're done i can't even talk to you i can't look at you relationship i don't want to be friends with you it's done it's over i honestly didn't think about it at that that way in any way shape or form i do like that he could be but then by throwing that out, it all of a sudden makes me go, did he kill Correct. his two friends? Why can't he remember? Why is he the only survivor in that situation? Did something happen that set him off that day? They were going to run away, but they weren't going to run away. Exactly. Exactly. Something along those lines. Whoa. So there's a <laughs> section in the book where Cassie is telling Rob um, at Rob slash Adam a story about a guy that she knew in college. And this is the reason why she left yes. where she went yeah, to college. Yeah, the guy that she was dating. Yes. That... Turned into, out to be a psychopath. Yeah. He was a he was a constant liar. Like So I kept trying to pick up on these things like in the books. Like, is, Rob is kind of an unreliable narrator. He doesn't remember all of these things. He, like, he goes out and he can't answer questions, like simple little questions, you know, about, about certain things. So I'm almost wondering if she was telling him that story. And even in the book, she's telling him, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm, I'm telling you this tell story you for a reason. Yeah. And I'm wondering if Cassie all along knew it in the back of her head that Rob is a psychopath, but she loved him enough that to she see beyond see it, it. Or that she could see beyond it. Okay. I think that she could. I think that it blinded her a little bit. She like subconsciously knew that she wanted him to understand this. This is what a psychopath is. This is, you know, why I'm telling you this. But at the same time, she was blinded to that in him, even though subconsciously she knew. She knew. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's really, I really like that question. Yeah. So it's a really whole, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Spin on, on this it thing. and makes you look at it a different way. Like, yeah. could possibly, is the reason that why we don't get an answer about what actually happened in those woods because we don't want to know the answer as a reader. Because it's probably Because wrong. it's him. As a 12-year-old boy, <sighs> having murdered his two best friends. 
in some way. Which also could go hand in hand with the fact that the main killer is Damien, who's fairly young and and very naive yes. in the whole concept of what he's doing. And they they totally played him in the interview and got him exactly where they wanted him in his hand in their hand once they figure out that it was one of two people. Right. But he's also a young murderer. That really could be. Absolutely. Anna French. Yes. You can go ahead and respond to us and a let us know if we're right just... on the right on the right Right track here. A lot of deep thoughts that I, when I read this for the second time, I was like, hmm, I might be seeing this a little differently. Because when I first read this book, I was very much in love with Rob Ryan. Like, very much like, oh, Rob Ryan, he's like this attractive cop. He's smart. He's, you know, depicted as sexy. Like, he's got a, he's got some skeletons in his closet that you're just like, oh, I just want to dig into this, you know, whatever. The second time around, I was very much like... I know where this is going. I know how this ends up. I didn't like him as much. I didn't like him as much the second time reading it. I didn't either. I liked her a lot more. A lot more. Yes. Reading, I've told you before, I do not like rereading a book, but I apparently read this one long enough ago that rereading it was not that painful. Mm -hmm. And I definitely picked up on a lot of things that I I didn't notice the first time around, but also I didn't fully remember what happened. I'm not going to lie. When we picked this, I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember who did it. And then I'm like, wait, do I remember, do I remember who, who did, did it? it? And then even like three quarters of the way through the book, I'm like, I don't remember who did yeah, it. I thought it was the dad the entire time. Yeah. I, think I that was thought the dad killed. So in my brain, like it should have been. It should have been. Yes. Been. Yes. There was a point when like a like maybe halfway through, maybe a little bit more than that, where I was like, OK, I, I do. I'm now remembering that the sister Rosalind has something to do with this. I just can't remember if she was the one who actually murdered her. I know that this girl has something. I will say is the first time she came into the book this time, I was like, I don't like her. And yeah. I don't remember why I don't like her. Yes, but there's something Didn't there. Didn't think she's the one that did it. Yeah. But. Yes. And and that's another thing about the whole psychopathy thing. It's like at the end of the book, we know, we understand that she is a psychopath. She is definitely She one. is definitely and a she psychopath. she played Rob very well. Expertly. 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 So that and that's another thing, like their interactions, like did she recognize immediately that this is a guy who this is a guy like I can kind of have a kindred spirit with, but I can play him really well. So in that sense, maybe maybe he's not. I, I don't know. It's very difficult. I think it's it's just meant to be very ambiguous. And you're just meant to wonder whether or not Rob kind of has these these things. But I mean, literally, Katie, like I'm reading it and on page 11 his self-destructive tendencies start to come out immediately. There's a line. It says, there's a side of me that is most intensely attracted to women who annoy me. I mean, yeah, like you're already right there. <laughs> it's like, okay, I know that this guy will never find someone. He, can, he can't possibly find someone to be in a relationship with because that would never work. Right. It wouldn't ever work. Right. He would find some way to get annoyed and pissed off. Self-sabotage. Yeah, Self-sabotage. Yeah. Exactly. Like there's so many little things in this Which book. Which could be why him and Cassie took forever to hook up anyways, because she didn't annoy him because she's could right be. there yes. doing everything that he needs her to do. Yes. And being a good partner. He did. I know. I don't remember exactly how far into it it was, but I remember like there was, it, it's not far because he at first isn't, annoyed just like the other men in the in the Dublin murder squad that a, a young woman has come in and whatever and then not long after that he sees her in the rain with her Vespa and she can't start it or whatever and I want to say right there he's like and that's when I knew I fell in love with her but then that really never tracks throughout like I mean more than half of the book goes by it's and nothing happens the thought of the thought her of her and the, the potential of her. of her being his partner right in the 
career sense as opposed to the home life sense. Exactly. Yes. He doesn't want the actual relationship part. He just, he wants to, as they say, have his cake and eat it too. That's basically it. Um, I was going to say, what'd you think of Sam as like the third wheel? So in, because of the book, The Likeness, I, in this book, I immediately was drawn to Sam because in, when you read the second book, The Likeness, you already know that Sam and Cassie are living together. I believe they're engaged. I think at the the end of this book, he even mentions that they've gotten engaged or they moved in together or whatever. But like Sam, as the third wheel, I really enjoyed him kind of coming in as like a, wow. Happy puppy. Yes, basically. Basically, (laughs) yeah. No, that that really makes sense to me. But he he comes in and he's like, wow, these guys really have this like this crazy rapport already. I have to like kind of jump in. And he kind of did fit in really well with them. He fit in really well with them. He was a good detective too, which helped. Yes. He was fun. I think he was kind of uh Becky, Cassie. The two, fuck the two of you or whatever yes, he says at one yes, point. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And him and Cassie and Rob are kind of these doom and gloom characters. And then Sam kind of comes in and is just this cute, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. And he kind of brings the mood up a little bit. And that's probably where Cassie is like, I, I'm seeing these two guys. You know, I've got Rob on one side who may or may not be a psychopath. And then I've got Sam who's just this cool guy whatever so thankfully cassie knows what she's doing and at the end chooses sam thankfully but the problem with that is did she really choose or did rob make the decision for her rob made the decision for her exactly she was she would have all been all in with rob i think so too and that's unfortunate because cassie knew what to look for you know what i mean but she again she was blinded to it because of who it was so yeah so you reminded me when you said the name the name Damien. So the killer in this book is named Damien. He only kills Katie because of Rosalind, Katie's sister, saying that Katie constantly gets her and uh, her her twin Jessica. sister Jessica um, in trouble, and their parents abuse them because of things that Jessica or I'm sorry, Katie says she's the perfect daughter. She's going to this ballet school, this fancy ballet school. Um, she doesn't do anything wrong, and she constantly tells her parents that Rosalind and Jessica are have done these kind of bad things. So that was obviously a lie put in by Rosalind. This guy falls in love with Rosalind and makes him think that, okay, to get in my good didn't get in her good graces to make this girl want to marry me, I have to murder this girl. So Rosalind didn't actually physically kill her sister. I don't even think she lured her to there. No, she wasn't there at all. She ended up being they she created her own alibi by being at an aunt's house or something like that, hanging out with the cousins, cousins. I believe. That's that's a true psychopath. Like I'm gonna manipulate this guy into being what I need him to be and do what I need him to do so I'm out of it. Why do you think she wanted it to happen just because katie was going to go to ballet school and steal limelight from her i think she's jealous i think it, i think it pure all stemmed jealousy. from pure jealousy i think it all stemmed from pure jealousy and also like what's the age difference between them do you remember so rosalind was 18, 18 or no 17 she was turning 18 because remember there's a point in the book when rob, rob said, checks his birth checks her birthday to make sure that she can she yes, can be the but advocate, he did the that, adult did, for jessica yes but he wasn't certain on the like the month the month like, so it must have yes. been like, at, like it was close by. The, the whole book doesn't take place over that long of a time period. It's a couple of months, I want to say. It was only a month. It, yeah, you know, you might be right. Like about a, a like a so complete sometime month. sometime in the month yes. is her birthday. I think so, or okay. like directly after. So when he questions her, she's actually seventeen, and she should have had 
a parent with her. But when he's talking to Jessica and she's the the adult for Jessica, she's 18. No, I don't even think that was I don't even think she was an adult at that point either. So she anytime because that's he he that's what he checked her birthday to make sure that she was 18 and could be the adult representative for the, for him interviewing right. Jessica. OK, you might you might be right about that. Um, either, either way, way, how old were Katie and Jessica? I think they were 12. Okay. I want to say that, that they were 12, if not 13. Oh, it's 13. Katie and Jessica. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, hey, funny. Jess. <laughs> My sister-in-law's name is Jess, and I just put that together. Here I am. You're like this cocktail's delicious. They're not twins, but they're both very cute. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, the reason why I even <laughs> brought up the name Damien is because there were, like, a lot of, like, religious undertones. Yes. There was a lot of talk of religion. And Mark Hanley, who I believe was the the main guy in the architecture in the group or whatever. Archaeological? Archaeological dig, yeah. What did I say? Architect. <laughs> architect is an architect. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, I mean, he's, be pretty good. he's building the history. There we go. Yes. Yes. So... At one point, he's um, he's talking about religion and he, you know, he's brought in for questioning and he says, I don't believe in the church. Do you get me any church? Religion exists to keep people in their place and and paying into the collection plate. Um, just those little kinds of like religious undertones being brought in because they they at first their their thought is maybe this was like a religious sacrifice yeah, because it's an altar she's found on a rock like where there used to be religious sacrifices correct. yes yeah and then at another point cassie says um they're talking about religion again and cassie says how many people do you know who are christian not just going to church but actually christian like trying to do things the way jesus would have and um I honestly flagged this because I thought it was a really, I just thought it was a really good point for like good, how now it is, it is how even yep. like now. And this is again, you know, published in 2007. Um, I, I loved that quote, but the reason why I bring this all up is because the name of the killer is Damien, which is a pseudonym, a for, pseudonym the devil. for the devil. Mm-hmm. I, I love that kind of tie in, mm-hmm. like fantastic, just really cool. And literally didn't even put that together until we're sitting right here. So anyway, that's I that. just, I feel like the first time I read this, I probably thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. But reading it the second time, when he first came in, I didn't go, oh, right, Damien, he's the killer, because his name is sort his of like the devil. Is, yeah, nope, exactly. didn't go there. Yeah. Nope. Wasn't even, like, a subtle, like, twinge in my brain of, yeah. mm, maybe. Nope. Wasn't oh, it's kind of funny. I only personally flagged the religious quotes because they're they're honestly the way that I feel about organized religion so yes. it was just very much like yeah. how i was like yeah. "Ooh, religion quotes yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna highlight these <laughs> um so one of the things that i did flag is they they called rob calls says while we're waiting for miss cleo over there i said to sam cassie gave me the finger without looking up how was your day and the the thought of miss cleo and referring to cassie as miss cleo and yeah. i was just like oh call miss cleo for your reading <laughs> and i was like immediately playing in my mind Call me, darling. I can't even think of what oh it was, but God. just like that whole yeah. the concept of having dialable psychics that you could that were like advertised on TV. Yes, yeah. Call me now for your free tarot reading. What a scam! Holy shit! What a scam! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's so 2007. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I can remember. Call me, darling. Oh, I can remember just like watching late night television when those commercials would come on, and you were just like. Who, who calls these? Who is who actually these? calling these things? Yeah. And she, I want to, I think Miss Cleo made quite a bit of money. I, and like, she had enough to advertise. Mm-hmm. Maybe we will at some point. I hope so. Like, <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so there was a couple other things that I did 
flag. Um, so I started reading this book mistakenly thinking that this was going to be our second book. Right. Um, and I got... We switched like, things around. I can't remember why, but we switched things around to... Just cuss. Yeah. Whatever we did, we did. Yeah. Uh, but I was about 100 pages in, realized I should have been reading Daisy Jones. Right. Dropped this, started reading that again. So I flagged a, a paragraph on page 41 when I was first reading it, which would have been the beginning of December. Yeah. Way before my... About death. And I, going through my notes for the book, and I was like, blah. So now death is uncool, old-fashioned. To my mind, the defining characteristic of our error is spin. Everything tailored to vanishing point by market research, brands, and vans manufactured to precise specifications. We are so used to things transmuting into whatever we would like them to be that it comes as a profound outrage to encounter death, stubbornly unspinnable, only and immutably itself. And going through my notes, I was like, oh, it really is. Because everything is on social media. Everything mm -hmm. can be spun. There's yes. so many controversies. Yes. But death is still death. Death is still and, death. And yeah. It's still something that you come up against and you're like, fucking sucks. Yeah. I think like I think that like just brings into the, the kind of the discussion the fact that like life is different now because everything is out there. Every no matter what you do, recorded. everything is out there. Everything is recorded. Like your life is lived online. Your life is lived online. But there are certain things that are a constant and death is the main one. Like everybody's gonna die. We most likely don't know when, and you know, unless you call Miss Cleo, unless you call Miss Cleo. Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I want to call Miss Cleo right now. She's probably in jail. I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, she's probably dead. Maybe she is. Uh, Maybe Miss Cleo's dead. Hey, anyway. Chris. Yeah. Chime in. Is Miss Cleo dead? Is Miss Cleo dead? Yes. Let us know, producer Chris. Ding. Producer Chris here. Miss Cleo died in 2016. There was something else that I I had flagged at some point because it's just so me and you, Katie. And <laughs> okay, so there was one point, and I don't even remember exactly what what the context is, but just talking about crime in general. And I think the point is that they're talking about how the the um investigation has kind of caught a snag they're not moving anywhere and whatever and like the next step is is what so he says to himself um someone would do a cheesy documentary on her with a breathy voiceover and creepy credit music to make it clear that the case remained unsolved <laughs> and this that just stuck out to me in the sense because you and i love true crime yep like the podcast we listen to, the the uh, the documentaries we watch, we love that shit. We live Dayline. for that shit. Yes. Yeah. And, like, it's just so funny that even back, you know, 12, 13, 14 years, she's writing this book and she's talking about, yeah. you know, an obsession that hadn't even really hit its peak yet because... Right. I feel like we're... Well, I'd like to say that the true crime peak is now but oh who definitely. knows who knows maybe it's just gonna blow up and everybody that's been still putting it off is gonna just well i think off. the true crime peak really hit its stride because of podcasts in general mm -hmm. like the the first major true crime podcast i had heard about was serial like everybody was talking about serial you have to listen to serial you have to listen to this episode or this season of serial and and whatever after that when i figured out like podcasts were a thing and it was like 
I don't have to sit down in front of my TV to watch a full-on docu- documentary. I can go out for a run and put this in my ear. It was when my, like, super obsession became with true crime. I mean, that being said, literally all the books I've I've mostly been drawn to, as we have already discussed. Are crime-based. True crime-based thrillers. Like, I love reading a fictional true crime book and trying to figure out what Which might have been based on. yes what might have been That's the like my um yeah favorite reason i love law and order it's like which yes. pieces is really based exactly. on because they usually are yes there are so many um there are so many names and places have been changed we're getting <laughs> we're getting into the weeds here a little bit yes. but i love megan abbott books have you ever read any megan abbott books i think so she like always like standalone novels or whatever but she'll write these crime books and they're usually based on something else like something some true crime thing and i can usually figure it out so then i'll end up tweeting her was this about this 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 and this and she'll she has tweeted me back and said oh, that's awesome yes it was about that like obviously loosely based on that and i think the first time i realized it was because i had heard a case file podcast episode and had read the book previously i was like holy shit i think i've heard this before I don't think I've actually read her books. I think I'm thinking Meg Cabot, not Meg Oh, Meg yeah. Abbott. She's not a true crime reader. No, that, <laughs> writer. I, no not at all. But anyway, anyway, sorry. Yeah, we'll go back to the book now. But <laughs> um, So I had a, another thing, and then speaking of death and the, the grimness of it, when they are in the autopsy for Katie Devlin, and Rob was talking about how we don't normally watch the autopsies, Someone at the crime has to go, blah, 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 blah. I go only in those few cases, ironically, the most harrowing ones, that seem to demand this small sacrificial act of devotion. I don't think anyone ever quite gets over that first time, really. The mind-violent revolt when the pathologist slices the scalp and the victim's face valuable and meaningless as a Halloween mask. Wow. And I was like, that might be the most visual. The, the imagery I've ever is ridiculous. Gotten. Yeah. And she she does that multiple times where I feel like I can actually see it. The whole scene where he's in the woods and describing the woods, it's, yeah. it's which I would hope that the image right. would be like a great description. Right. But I feel like she's got a very visual, she, she writes very well to visually describe things in yes. my mind's eye. And she does it in a way that doesn't make it seem like too bogged down with like random descriptions of stuff. Right. You know There's what not I mean? Extra like, words. Yes. Like she does it very well where you're like, okay, I can put myself in this place. I'm here. I'm seeing what I you're can seeing. See it. I can smell I can it. Feel I can it. sense it. Yes. It's, it's very good. And, and it doesn't make it, boring you know like it's not there's there's a lot of stuff where sometimes a a a writer can get so descriptive where it just takes you out of it's too long it's too long it takes you out of like what you're supposed to be visualizing she's very good at just this is the visual i'm trying to give you this is the creepy vibe you're trying to and it 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 works it works really well but uh yeah that was creep that was some creepy ass imagery like (laughs) yeah just the the halloween masking and i think i mean i was reading it like I said, back in November, beginning of December. So it was close enough to Halloween that I probably hadn't put my decorations away yet. So yeah. <laughs> she said the Halloween mask and I was like, oh, I should probably put that away. <laughs> um, there's another part that I wrote down. hard right here. So you think you can dance. We love So You Think You Can Dance. Love it. I wish it would come back. When is it coming back? Whenever COVID finally goes the fuck away. I want, I want. To see hip-hop dancing, like, all the time. I, I love hip-hop dancing. Anyways, so it's uh, 
Cassie and Rob's last interview when they're going to talk to Damien. I wish I could show you how an interrogation can have its own beauty, shining and cruel as that of a bullfight. How in defiance of the crudest topic or the most moronic suspect, it keeps violate its own taut, honed grace, its own irresistible and blood-stirring rhythms. How the great pairs of detectives know each other's very thought as surely as lifelong ballet partners in a pas de deux. And as soon as I read that, I immediately pictured one of my favorite dances. That was a pas de deux on So You Think You Can Dance. And I'm like, oh, that is the most specific and fantastic metaphor for two detectives going into an interview room to try to, quote unquote, kill the bull. Right. And get him to succumb to the fact that they are interrogating him and that they know that he did something and that he just needs to lay down and die and give up his confession. And it just like... It almost sent chills. I'm not going to say it sent chills, but... Well, it sent chills on my spine, you, like, reading it and saying that, (laughs) for sure, because I did not pick up that. I do remember that section of the book, and I remember even that terminology in general, but, like, I didn't pick up on that, but that's pretty awesome, and and I would agree with that. If I had done it, I would have looked up, I'm going to hang on. So after a quick Google break... (laughs) <laughs> pas de do is not what I was thinking of. Pasa doble is what I was thinking yes, of. Yes, you were definitely thinking of pasa doble. Yeah, which yeah. was my favorite one is uh, Sabra and Neil from So You Think You Can Dance. Google that. Watch it. It's fantastic. She slides down him at the end of the show like Ooh. a fucking dead bull. Just... Okay. It's cool. However, pas de do is a dance for two people. Same concept. Same concept. Yeah. We could we could pretend like I knew what I was talking about with all of that and just just go with it. I'm gonna be honest with you, Katie. Do you think our listeners know the difference? Know the difference between, know the difference between pa, pa de do and pasa doble? I'm pretty sure at least some of them do. You know what? As and opposed to me, some people might be like, "Oh, I wanna I wanna Google that. Let me just look and see there what that go. means." Yeah, so, it's enlightenment. Yeah. Here we go. So we're trying to be real and honest for you guys. We don't want to screw you over. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Her uh, use of pas de do is actually a better description. I think mm. I I think I went immediately to Pasa Doble because she said bullfight bullfight. Bull, bull yeah, and I mean honestly, it's kind of it's kind of a similar thing. They're still trying to they're still going in there as two people trying to dance and get somebody to do something. Exactly, yeah. get somebody to, to do, like per- hypnotize them by a with performance. Exactly, like and that's basically what an interrogation is, especially with yeah. two partners. They go in there. And almost in every interrogation in this book, they and, talk about and how they're going to play it, how, how they're going to play, play this, and, and are you the good cop it? or the bad cop this time? Am I going to do this or that? Like it's, and I'm sure that that comes from that's probably pretty realistic. Like yeah. you'd have to, especially if you want um, a confession to come from a, a suspect. I mean, how else would you just grab a confession from somebody? Right. You have to put on a play, put right. on a show for them. So, and a dance is kind of that way. So. Um, I think it still works. One more quote that I wanted to read. So it's when Cassie, I don't I don't remember exactly when in the story it happens, but Cassie and Rob are at her apartment or loft or whatever the hell she lives in. Sam left. Sam was there too. Sam left. Cassie taught me how to swing dance. Went out onto the flat roof. These The words that she wrote, I, it, the laughter, unrolling like streamers over the, over the dark gardens below. And I literally could see the streamers of laughter rolling over the edge of this flat roof yeah. down the sides of things as a decoration. And it just... I, There's some more really good imagery by yeah. Tana French. Yeah. She just, she's just very good at that. Um, can I just throw out the fact that there at one point... I only flagged this for one second because I thought it was freaking hilarious. There is a baby in this book named Sean Paul. 
Is, is that not funny to you? Like, I mean, who's baby? When he goes, Shauna Paul, like just <laughs> fish hat. Fish is that the fish hat one? The videos? Yes. Okay. Yes, so who's baby? It's um one of the older. Oh no, no, I think it's one of the older kids that used to. That hold on one second. Um, oh, maybe like Sandra's. I'm not sure if it was Sandra's, but yes, like that's what I'm kind of what I'm kind of thinking. Um, but I just was like, oh, oh, Sean Paul. Okay, we're doing that now. Um, let's see. Sean Paul music at this point in time, producer Chris. Sean Paul. Oh, okay. So Sean Paul was Peter's little brother. Okay. Yes, that makes sense. So like, it's basically coming in a flat in a sense of a flashback for for Rob, and it just. He naughty, naughty, literally shoddy. says, Mom, <laughs> Mom, like, you know, do you need me to help with Sean Paul or whatever? And the second I read that, I was just like, who the fuck names their baby Sean Paul? <laughs> anyway, like People that. People in Dublin. That, that cracked me up a little bit. I was, I'm not going to lie. I, was, I thought it was funny. Anyway, um, those are the last things I really flagged in the book other than just like the overall sense of there's there's a big like theme of the book is 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 friendship you've got rob with cassie you know that bond formed and that bond wouldn't have ever been formed i don't think because of who rob is and like what happened with his friends that tight group of three that hit jamie peter and and adam as rob had and i don't i think everything that goes on with the rest of Rob's or Adam's life uh, is shaped by the relationship that he had with Peter and Jamie. I, it's just one of those things that, you know, I don't know about you, but I I don't know or have many friends from that age. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't still talk to people that I talked to when I was 12 years old. I have acquaintances. Okay. And if I see them, I'll talk to them. They'll say hi. Friends with them on Facebook. Yes. But Jess is probably my closest right. to that age. Yeah, yeah. Um, you went to high school together, even though she yep. was a couple years younger. But yep. she was my JV buddy. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But I think that is—I I don't know—that's that those relationships are what shape us. And even though we may not, you never know whether or not um, Adam and Peter and Jamie, whether or not Peter and Jamie had survived, that they would be friends through, you know, his his younger thirties or whatever. But at the same time, no matter what happens, like that stuff still shakes, shapes you it's as a person. Of their, it's, it's part of part history. Of, it's Absolutely. part of your story. It's part of your life. And like, you them, can't take that away. Exactly. And them disappearing when they did, it's very much like an interrupted story. You know? It's like his history was ripped. Yes. If you look at from his him, story. Yes. And he went from being Adam to being Rob. And yes. it just totally, up until that point in time, this is who he was. And then after that, Exactly. Completely and he had to person. be. Yes. Or was forced to be. I don't I don't know. And but yeah, the the whole concept of friendship and and all of your all of your past, not even just the friendship side of it. Just right. Who you were and what you've done and who you've done and Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all of that just makes you where you're at. Yes. Yeah. I mean that stuff your relationships with people, no matter what, shape who you are as a person. And whether or not you're still talking to those people, you're still friendly with those people, um, it's still a part of who you are. And I, it makes me feel sad for him in general that he never got to play out the rest of that. Like, 
maybe at some point him and Jamie or Peter and Jamie would have gotten together. Maybe at some point, you know, or him and him and Peter, you know what, well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there could have been, there could have been serious relationships. There could have been families. There could have been children. Yes. And that's something that like he, like you said, he had an interrupted story because of the, their disappearance. And you don't know exactly how he would have changed or been as a person had they remained friends up through their adult years. And I want to say that they he goes into that kind of in the book. There's a section where he talks about, like, maybe, you know, we, we in our 20s, like, this would have happened or this would have happened. And it's just kind of sad to to think about the fact that um, the the little things, and I, and I don't want to say that their, their disappearance is a little thing, but everything that shapes us and who we are. And again... Was that again? We'll just go back to the psychopath like thing. Like, what was it his fault? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we'll never know. It's no. all ambiguous. It's, it's we'll never know until what you happened. correctly tweet her and she responds. So I've looked for her on Twitter. She's Tana, not... Tana French, where are you on Twitter? I think she is, but I don't think she's verified. So I don't know if it's actually her or not. So that's the that's the thing there. But I would love to reach out to her and. Will we ever get an ending to Rob Ryan's story? Because I'd love to know. I want, I would love for that bow to be tied. I really would. <laughs> I really would. So anyway, I think that's, Um, I don't know. I think that's, that's it for our story. I think that's it for our story. I don't have anything else to, to say with regard to this other than how much I, I enjoyed and loved this book. I love this book. Yes. I really do. It's great. I love the series. if you continue on, like, read more of Tana French's books because they're fantastic. Not there's not a single one that sticks out to me as being bad in any way or not unenjoyable. Um they're different. They're very different, they're different. from each other too. Yes, they all are and they're great. They're fantastic. So read more Tana French. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> so Katie, I, I don't know about you, but I thought that was a really good discussion on a book that we have both read previously. Read previously and enjoyed. A while ago. Yes. Yeah. I I was really happy with that discussion. Anyway. I'm excited to watch the, what is it, Stars? Yes. Yes. Stars series. Which we tried to previously watch. We just never got very far. You know, life gets in the way of stuff. But keep we're tuned. Binge like, it. be in tuned. And because we'll do a screen correct? We're going to do a screen episode of the Dublin Murder Squad uh, series. Oh, which, which was based only on the first book, correct? No. False. It's oh, there's more than on one both. series. No, 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 no. The first. I should stop talking. The only season <laughs> is ba- the only season that they have done so far is based on In the Woods and the Likeness. So uh... both books are brought into um, the fold. Good. So there will be a screen episode about that. Um, hopefully, in the very near future, we just have to come up with a time when we can binge this yeah. season. So Take a day yeah. Off and- um anyway uh katie why don't you let everybody know what our next book to be covered so is? so our next book is going to be barbed wire heart by tess sharp mm-hmm. and this is going to be a book that i read that you have not yet read and that's uh, our first one of those right yes yes yeah. yeah i'm excited so this came to me um a woman at my parents church recommended it she's an avid reader as well and she picked it up in a dollar store i'm pretty sure she said dollar store yeah uh which is now the dollar 25 store but you know, <laughs> side note, COVID's hard. Uh, and it, she really, really, really liked the book, and she she recommended it to me, and I read it, and I wasn't expecting much. Uh, it was awesome. It was fantastic, and I'm I, I think that you're it. really gonna like it. There's a lot of 
Um, she's a very strong female character. Yeah. That's the lead. Love that. Yeah. Love that in any story. Yeah. TV shows, movies, whatever. I love it. And then there's a twist. Obviously, there's a twist. And it's a good twist. And get I'm your excited. reactions on it. I'm and excited. I am going to reread it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we are... Um, during this vacation, when I've been reading and everything, I, I've been trying to keep in mind, okay, this is when we're recording episodes and what I have to read. And it totally slipped my mind that I have not yet read this book. And more than likely, we're going to record this episode pretty soon. So I have fast, to. Though. You will read I, it really fast. And we, I, I'm one of the, I'm a fast reader. I typically will sit down with a book and like in three days, it's it's done. So I'm hoping that'll be the same way. As long as I don't have anything like, you know, outstanding that I have to deal with. But I'm um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I can't wait to discuss it as usual. Yes. Like, so ah. our cocktail teaser. Nope, that's not the right sound. So we're going to have a vodka cocktail for Barbed Wire Heart. If you want to find the recipe so you can drink along with us, you should follow us on our socials. And as you know, we are on Instagram and Twitter at to be read pod. And that's spelled at T-W-O-B-E-R-E-A-D-P-O-D. You can also email us at tobeeredpodcast at gmail.com, spelled the same way. Please. We want comments, suggestions. Stories. Um, give us something to read on the Intellectual criticisms would be great. Oh, we would love that. We yeah. would love that. We might hate it in, in our heads. But... In our hearts. Yes. In our, <laughs> it might make us that. sad, but we want to hear it. We want to be better. And... Um, Keep listening because we're we're really enjoying having these conversations. This sitting here right now, we have released our first two episodes, and um, mostly the feedback that we've been getting is, is pretty good in general. And we're excited. We're super excited. They might, they might also all be our friends. So far, yes, but yeah, <laughs> but there are some friends that don't know both of us at the same time. Sure. Only one of us. So it, it's yeah. been good so far, and yeah. we're excited, and we want you guys to listen. So please. Rate, rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, follow us on Apple and Spotify. And um, five-star ratings. We would love that. We would love to see you guys, uh, your comments, and and any criticisms that you have as well. Yes. Also, join us next time when we help to make your to-be-read pile one book shorter. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. To Be Read is hosted by Sarah Westcott and Katie Willey. Produced, edited, and mixed by Chris Turrell. Logo concept art by Rhiannon Kenfield. Graphic design by Steve Pius. So we're going to have a vodka. <laughs> <laughs> That's our blooper. Can Katie talk? I don't really know. I'm not so sure. We're going to ha- don't you really want to know? Okay, I was wondering who the father of my baby was. All right, let's take a look. The Miss Cleo DNA test. I don't know. <laughs> I'm solely searching for the father of your baby. Oh. It's the one that's very unpleasant, okay? Okay. Um, and he's also the one that had another girlfriend while he was sleeping with you. Yes, he did. Yep, that's him. That's the daddy. Okay. But you knew that. I wasn't sure. I don't know how. The baby looks just like him. Yes, he does. Yeah, so you were in denial because he has a funny little chin, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah, and the baby have that same little chin. Oh, my God. The cards can reveal things that you will never see by yourself. Call me now for your free tarot reading. Call 1-800-980-8637.